0: And Barnes, head right high! It's a It's the last day of August. It's a Wednesday. And Peter, I can't believe how far we are into the season already. Already the final stretch here. And we're going to talk a lot about basically what the schedule looks like down the rest of the way for some of the biggest contenders in baseball. And then a lot of topics and news to hit on. Uh, How are we feeling today, Pete? Feeling good. It's crazy. It
1: feels like the season has gone so fast, but at the same time we're working so much every day, so it feels like the season is so long, but when you say that it's August 31st and we have a month left. We did the American League yesterday, we're doing National League today. We're also going to check up on who's kind of who's the scariest team in the wild card, like who do we have to watch out for? It's all just a big mess right yeah. now in terms of how fast the season has felt, but also it's gone slow. It's
0: weird. It's, it is It is one of those things where it's every day. Uh, that's what makes base. That's why I, I envy baseball players so much because they're doing what we all dream of doing. But I, I can't imagine what it's like walking in every single day to see 95, 96 every day. You got to be so locked in. That's why guys in the 80s took all the greenies. And, you know, like that. How do you stay locked in every single day for 162 games? It's absolutely absurd. Get ringworm. Yeah. Or you, know, you get ringworm and then you can, you can self-medicate. Uh, that's the obvious solution. But uh, I want to talk real quick about Corbin Carroll. We were just wanting to mention like he looked great in his first ball game. Yes. He missed a ball in the outfield. Don't care. I, I always talk to outfielders about this and I think it's really interesting. Guys in center actually get uncomfortable in the corner sometimes because the ball comes off so differently seemed to be the case, but Carroll, He beats out an infield ground ball. I wanted to give him the hit, but it's fine. They didn't give him the hit. It was an example, though, of how he can beat you in so many different ways, though. Plus, plus speed. He burns down the line, gets on base, forces the error, and then later clears the bases with an opposite field line shot the other way. He can hit it far and he can run fast and he can kind of just do everything. And I think everybody at Just Baseball is falling in love with Corbin Carroll
1: falling in love with Corbin Carroll. First, I'm fiending for the top 100. I ask you every single day that we're on the mic cuz I need it so bad. I want to see where Corbin Big Carroll's progress ranked. today. I want to see where Gunnar Henderson is ranked, but we will see that very soon over there on justbaseball.com. But I was thinking about it too. Corbin Carroll is going to be in baseball for 10, 15, maybe 20 years. Wouldn't we rather look back on his first hit being a double in the gap rather than an infield single to Gene Segura? Like, I was almost like, you know what? Good, because I knew he was going to get it in that game. Of course he's going to get it because he's incredible. I wanted that. I didn't want his first game Highlights are, oh, we got his first hit, which was maybe an error, and then he missed a ball in the outfield. No, let it go into the outfield. A piss missile rocket. That's going to be remembered. And it took the lead over probably one of the worst beats. Like, we're going to talk about a little bit of gambling in in a minute here when we get into some of the Verlander and all that kind of stuff. But Phillies were up 7-0. If you took the Phillies in the first five, Diamondback scored like nine unanswered yeah to take the lead i'm mean, probably the worst beat if anyone I think it was the, the phillies
0: biggest comeback in d-backs history um wow. which is which is really funny yeah the phillies kind of did what we f- were afraid of them doing this year which they haven't done a lot of which was implode uh they haven't imploded that much with the bullpen but Man, did they. t offense, no slouch, especially adding Corbin Carroll in there. But yeah, that would have been the worst beat of all because I would have already been counting my money there. And as, as you know, you can't do that uh, until the final out is made. And um, we're going to talk about whether you should count your money on a really interesting bet that one of your friends sent to you, uh, which is really interesting. And it kind of ties in with this because Justin Verlander hits the IL, and I was really concerned. I wasn't watching the game where, where he exited. I went to put it on in the fourth, and I'm like, where the heck is Verlander? I wasn't on Twitter at the time. And I'm, first, I'm thinking, please don't be an arm issue or whatever. It is technically good news that it's a calf issue. But at the same time, we saw how much the calf issue lingered with Mike Trout last year. I mean, Verlander's no spring chicken. He's 39. I think it's probably more precautionary. You and I aren't doctors, but anytime your ace hits the IL, it's a bit concerning. Uh, wh- what do you make of this? I mean, the, the the Astros are fine. They have Hunter Brown waiting in the wings, who's a guy that I think they might promote and could kind of fill in as a starter. Uh, but we'll talk about the Cy Young implications in a minute. But. I mean the Astros. I feel like they're still just not really going to miss a beat, even without Verlander in the regular season.
1: Especially now with Lance McCullers Jr. back, and you still got Framber Valdez, you still got Luis Garcia, you still got Christian Javier, who they've been sort of using again as a swingman. I so see Christian Javier more move back into the bullpen when he's been one of their best starters this year, but. No, I don't think the Astros are going to miss a beat. They also don't really need to. They have this division on lock at this yep. point. And it's honestly probably a good thing. Take a take a couple of weeks off, for Lander, yeah. But it's not a good thing if the calf is going to bother him come October. But at least the word out of Houston is that he's only going to miss a couple of starts and he's going to be totally fine. We'll probably be back by the end of the season anyway. That's why the Cy Young implications are so interesting
0: yeah and you know this was somebody that to me i'm like this is this is my cy young winner i just but also i'm biased because i think what he's doing is so cool and it's just verlander is is nostalgic i think for us you know just remembering he threw 100 when it was really cool Uh, you know in seventh eighth inning ripping 100 mile an hour fastballs like i just remember watching him and the fact that he's still able to do what he's doing i think is really awesome One of your friends sent you a ticket. You put it up on Twitter uh, of a parlay that is pretty insane. It's $1 to win $918. And I want the listener to kind of follow along with us and think what you would do here. So the parlay is I'll I'll go with the ones that are pretty much almost guaranteed at this point is the 3 of the 4 legs which is Paul Goldschmidt National League MVP. Uh you could pretty much consider that one I think pretty much done at this point. Aaron Judge AL MVP. I know people are floating Otani but uh it's it's not really a discussion for me at this 50 point. home runs. Yeah, it, it, if and for for a team that, you know, has been the best at points in baseball has really struggled without judge as Michael K mentioned on Twitter they're probably fighting for a playoff spot Julio Rodriguez American League rookie of the year cash that as well pretty much too and then the last leg was Shane McClanahan American League Cy Young at plus 750 you parlay all of those together it's one to win 918 dollars the only question is Shane McClanahan and he can cash out now for 60 bucks or he can let it ride for $918. I think we're on the same page of what we would do here, especially with the Verlander injury. So
1: in a gambling sense, let it ride. You got a dollar to win $918. It's plus $91,700. Are you kidding me? Dollar? Roll with it. But in a baseball sense, I think it's more important to have a conversation about whether these guys could actually win it. Burlander should be the favorite, but this definitely takes a little bit off. And then when you have Shane McClanahan, who's probably number two at this moment, you know, he's going to face as we're recording right now. It's about Tuesday around 6 p.m. Eastern, right before the Marlins are about to play the race. And Shane yeah. McClanahan starts against the worst offense in baseball, historically bad offense against lefties. And you're, you're nodding your head. You're like, yeah, it's.
0: Yeah, I think the tweet so, you saw the tweet. I, it was the, the worst since two teams that no longer exist. So
1: <laughs> so Shane McGlennon is probably going to pitch pretty well tonight. probably knowing gambling, probably going to get bobbed somehow or the Marlins are going to win. But we're going to assume that he's going to pitch pretty well. He has a couple of starts down the stretch if he can. But the thing is, he has to pitch really well. Yeah, because Verlander is probably going to come back before the end of the season and probably give you two more starts. And with Verlander having an ERA below two and McClanahan having an ERA in the what, two, three, it's two, two, two flat right two now, two flat, whether you like it or not, the Cy Young voting is mostly based on eras win totals whether you like it or not that's just the reality of the situation and when verlander's got a 186 if i'm not mistaken yeah McClanahan has to be in the two-ish range like very low low twos because McClanahan's gonna finish with more strikeouts oh yeah so that's going for him but he really has to dominate while Verlander only has to coast. Yeah. So it's going to be really close. I don't know where I'm leaning right now, especially with the with the injury implications for Verlander, but I say that McClanahan dominates and has a very good shot of winning because I also do think that the Astros are not going to push Verlander. Why would no. you, right? They're in different spots. Rays are gunning. For that wild card, and they don't have that much of a lead. Astros have it locked up. There's no need to rush Verlander. McClanahan, they need great starts. And that also could be a storyline, right? McClanahan throws one of the best Septembers that we've seen and overtakes Verlander to win the sailing. That makes a lot of sense. And
0: pushes the race to the playoffs. The more I'm thinking about it,
1: the more I think McClanahan will win it.
0: And the strikeout numbers are are ridiculous. Um, And they're both equal in whip. So, I mean, this will be one of the most interesting showdowns ever because I, I think almost it's almost it's literally impossible unless Verlander implodes in, in the two outings. He comes back for McClanahan to catch him in the ERA department, but he can close the gap and then have the innings, uh, you know, edge on him because Verlander is obviously going to miss at least a couple starts. That will give McClanahan a chance who trails by five innings, I think, right now to overtake him by maybe 10, 15 innings. But unless he's up about 10 to 15, maybe 20 innings, it's going to be hard for McClanahan to do it. So he's going to have to really shove. Assuming he shoves against this Marlins team, then it's going to get really interesting down the stretch. And I think if Verlander healthy, it's probably no contest, right? He probably coasts, like you said, especially with I know people don't like to talk about records, but when you see 16 and three. I find it hard to believe that writers are just going to like fully ignore that when McClanahan's 11 and five, I know the Astros are way better and I know that decisions don't matter no, at all, no. but 16 and three, I, I, I'm telling you, I there's going to cool. be some writers out there that see that I, I'm I not saying cool. I agree with it, but that's what <laughs> happens. We know it's what happens. Um, I think it opens the door though. And, and that's really all that you need if you have a $1 to win 900 plus bet. So with Verlander hitting the IL, you let that one ride.
1: Three out of four are hitting, and you have a very good shot of hitting four to hit a plus 91,000. Yeah. 91,000 no arm, that's
0: crazy.
1: No but brainer. if we're talking about on the National League side, the Cy Young, a contender at least for the Cy Young, even though Sandy's probably going to win it. I don't see how he doesn't at this point. But Tony Gonsolin, forearm strain, he yeah. will be out. Kind of stinks. You know, Tony oh, yeah. Gonsolin at least was definitely in the running. He has a better ERA than... Uh, than Sandy does, but I mean, Sandy's just done everything else better, and Sandy goes nine innings, while Gonsolin's around five, six innings yeah. to start, and Sandy's been much better, but Gonsolin was in the running, and, you know, Ben was sending in, uh, Ben, our YouTube guy, shout out you, Ben, um, host of the Boys of Spring podcast, doing some stuff on the college baseball side as well. He sent in uh, one of my takes. I I gotta apologize. I mean, that's not <laughs> even a take I can defend. I said that Tony Gonsolin at the beginning of the season, I was like, You know, he's probably a three. Look at the Dodgers rotation and at three at the high end. Oh, my God, was I wrong? I mean, oh, my gosh. He's such a bad take. He's been amazing. The stuff has ticked up. The command has been excellent. And, you know, he's been healthy. And That's the worst part. That's the worst part. (laughs) People on Twitter called him a glorified opener. He's not been a glorified opener. Please relax. Tony Gonsolin has been awesome this year and deserves all the praise. Egg on my face. One of the worst takes of the season for me.
0: (laughs) I appreciate that humility. And I mean, that's that's the thing, though, is that's a big blow for the Dodgers, but kind of similar to the Astros situation. How big of a blow is it for them specifically because they're the Dodgers? You mentioned it before. I think we recorded they're going to get Kershaw back now. It stinks that one goes out, one comes in. But when Kershaw has been on the field. He still has been Clayton Kershaw. He's been very, very good. It's just about the health. So you lose one guy. You replace him now with Kershaw. I don't think the Dodgers are going to miss too much of a beat, assuming Kershaw continues to be the Hall of Fame lefty he is. Dustin May's back. And May, of course, too.
1: And then Tyler Anderson is still shoving. Andrew Heaney is still pitching. Well, Julio Arias is one of the front runners for the national league. Zion. They brought up Michael Grove. Who's who's, you know, he had a couple of spot starts here and there. He's fine. I, what about, can you tell me about Gavin stone? Is there any shot that he's going to get any
0: starts here? Yeah. I wonder, man, I really do because I, I would like to see stone. I think the stuff is, is ready, but it seems like Bobby Miller might be the guy that they lean towards. Mm. Cause it's going to be a bullpen. Awesome. Role. So Miller's looked a lot better as of late. I, if they need one of those two guys, they can come up, and I think they can compete. But it's more of just up to the Dodgers' plan and what they want to do. And they're really weird with their prospects and their innings and all of those things.
1: You know, it's funny. I was on Cardinals radio this morning. Uh, shout out Nate Lucas, and they were they were asking me, "Are you worried about the Dodgers' rotation now that Tony Gonsolin has, of course, went down?" And I said, "Not even a little bit.
0: No, not, not even, even
1: slightly. Not. Because they have everything that they need. I mean." You go through the rotation, and there's still not very many rests. I know people joke about Andrew Heaney, but he's been awesome. Tyler Anderson has been one of the biggest surprises in baseball. Julio Ria still shuts it down, and Dustin May looks like Berlander with movement. It's just incredible. And then, you know, they're going to get back Clayton Kershaw and even losing Walker Buehler. I mean, Aaron, my biggest bet at the beginning of the season, Dodgers over win total 97.5, I'd have to bleach my hair. If it didn't hit, it's probably going to hit on like, pays for 113 wins. Yeah, I was to say it's going to hit like
0: next week without Walker Bueller. <laughs> yeah, and with Max Muncy hitting 192, and Incredible. Bellinger still stinks. And you know, I mean, they haven't gotten a lot from from some of their guys. I mean, Kimbrel's been a disaster, uh, and they've the still worst reliever in their pen, and he's the closer. Yeah. It's, it's, which is bizarre in its own right. He was really good against the Marlins for whatever that's worth in the game I watched yesterday. But I mean, again, not worth that much. Um, but th- this is, this team is crazy. And you mentioned, you know, Miller. They also have Pepe out who is is a really interesting multi inning guy. If they nasty. want to bring him into nasty and has continued to look better and better. Like they've got so many different guys that they can bring up if if push came to shove that are succeeding in the upper minors. That I, the, I will never be worried about the Dodgers pitching situation. Really, uh, I just don't think it's possible. It's not possible, and they're going to get back Blake Trinan soon. Oh my gosh! Yeah, the turbo sinker. That- I with, think with he, the frisky slider when he's on, I think he's the best. <laughs> he's I just to. laugh. I, I like if if at, if I were to show somebody like how hard it is to hit a baseball, I I think Blake Trinan's slider is probably one of the first things I'm going to pick. It just doesn't. I don't understand how anyone hits it. I've said that a bunch of times, but I just really don't understand how it's possible.
1: Diaz slider, Class A that cutter, and Trinan slider. That's where it is. But also Trinan's sinker. I don't yeah, know yeah, how they hits go, that either. It just this, goes the other way,
0: and it's 98. It's it's a joke, and and if he's healthy, I, it's going to be really hard <laughs> to beat this Dodgers team. And we're, we're going to talk schedule now, right? I mean, you want to go through the NL East. We'll do, go division by division because it is interesting now when we look down the final stretch, especially with the Mets and the Braves. Because we talk about the Dodgers, and how good they are. Really important for this one of these two teams to win the division because then you avoid the Dodgers until the championship series. So. Similar to how you wanted to avoid the one-game playoff in the wild card last year, and we saw the Giants and Dodgers pushing all the way to the final game, it's the same thing here in the NL East. Neither the Braves nor the Mets want to play the Dodgers early in the postseason, and those two teams have relatively easy schedules the rest of the way, but I would say that the Mets have the easiest of the two.
1: Oh, the Mets have such an easy schedule. They should win the division. Um, when we look at the standings right now, the Mets are about three games above the Braves. And it's going to be hard, really, unless the Braves completely dominate because the Mets have a cakewalk. I gave them a two out of 10 difficulty. And if you're curious about any of the American League teams, we did that yesterday, and this is the National League episode. The highlights, three against the Braves on the road. That's it. Talking about low lights. How about six against the Nationals at home, three against the Pirates at home, and three against the Pirates on the road. So six total against the Pirates. You have three against the Marlins in Miami. Um, You have the Cubs, which is two at home. And it's sorry, another two at home against the Marlins. And then you have three on the road against the Oakland A's. So just to recap, they have three against the Braves, Nationals, Pirates, Marlins, Cubs, A's. Yeah, it doesn't doesn't get much easier. easier. That's why it's a two out of ten. One of the easiest of all the contenders that we've gone over so
0: far. Yeah, I mean it's one of those where the Braves absolutely have to take that series to to stay alive, and then really, like you said, they have to play at a ridiculous pace because looking at the Braves' schedule the rest of the way, it's it's easy but not that easy. We gave it a five out of 10 difficulty with the highlights being three against the Mets, which is going to be tough three against the Mariners, not going to be easy. And the Phillies for seven, the Braves have taken care of the Phillies for the most part, but three at home, four away Phillies are really trying to fight for a playoff spot and stay, you know, ahead in the wild card. They're playing really good baseball and they get Bryce Harper back. Uh, that's not going to be easy. The lowlights, they get the Marlins for six, three home, three away. They get the Nationals for six, three home, three away. A's for two on the road and Giants for three on the road. Definitely a very manageable schedule, mm-hmm. but it's pretty hard to catch the the Mets when they are probably going to win 70% of their games based on the schedule.
1: Yeah, like we even look at the lowlights, right? The Giants were put in the low lights, but the Giants, you know, if you get Rodon and you get Logan Webb, I mean, there's it's not like you're facing, I mean, no offense, the Marlins or the yeah. Pirates or the Cubs, even or the A's of the Nationals. Like the Mets, their low lights are some of the worst teams in baseball while the Braves face similar types but then they have the Giants as well and then they have the Phillies for seven and the Mariners are tough too and that's in Seattle like the Braves really have to turn it up against harder competition three games back to catch the Mets I really do think that the Mets are just going to win this division
0: and I want to emphasize the West Coast road trips are tough um mm-hmm. and, and that's a longer West Coast road trip for the Braves uh so I mean that's going to be a challenge for them but you know you also have the Phillies who have somewhat of a similar schedule to the Braves, but you know, I would argue maybe even slightly more difficult.
1: You could say that too. The Phillies, I gave them a five out of 10 difficulty, but to arm's point, you can probably give them a six. They have the Braves again for seven with four at home, three on the road. They get the Astros. On the road in Houston, then they have a two-game series against the Blue Jays. That's the highlights. The lowlights, you know, they have six against the Marlins. They have seven against the Nationals. They have four against the Cubs, and they have three against the Giants. Against the Cubs and the Giants, it's all on the road. The Astros, you throw them in there, you know, instead of maybe a team like the Mariners. um, And then you have the Blue Jays. So it's a couple of different teams. It's not impossible. But it's definitely not easy, and when we look at where the Phillies are, they're 10 games back, but in the wildcard standings, and I can't wait to talk about some of these wildcard teams in a minute after we do the schedules, the Phillies have a one and a half game lead above the Padres for that second spot in the wild card. I really don't know if the Padres and the Brewers are going to get there, but I also don't want to get into the wild card conversation right yet. I think the Phillies will be a wild card team, but I don't think that. I mean, of course, they're not catching the Mets, and I still don't think they're going to catch the Braves because it's not like they have a cakewalk, and no. the Braves have something crazy. It's very similar.
0: You, you know what's funny? You know what makes the the Phillies schedule more difficult than the Braves is the Braves can't play themselves, and the Braves are really tough, and so the Phillies having to play the Braves for seven makes it extremely difficult. So uh, that's otherwise, it's basically exactly the same, but. Yeah. If you ask the Phillies, they probably want to play the Braves. You you got to beat the best to be the best. And, you know, it gives them a chance to kind of close in, even though the division's probably out of reach uh, or even catching the Braves is out of reach, but it gives them an opportunity to kind of see them up close. Going into national league central, the Cardinals have it in the bag. Uh, Really that, that division is theirs, but the schedule the rest of the way really makes it even easier for them. We gave it a four out of 10 difficulty there. Highlights Brewers for 4, two home, two away, Padres for 3, Dodgers for 3. That'll be a tough stretch, but they also have the Cubs for 3 at home, the Nationals for 4 at home, 9 against the Pirates, 6 away, 3 at home, and 5 at home against the Reds. So I mean that part of the schedule, they should clean up and and that should get them a good chance to maybe be around 100 wins.
1: I agree, it's kind of crazy thinking at the beginning of the season would the Cardinals be a 100-win team? I mean, they're 75 and 54. They're six games up, so they have to, I mean, they really have to go 25 and 8 to be a 100-win team, so maybe they won't get quite there. But, I mean, if they win 20, if they go 20 and 13, they're a 95-win team. Yeah, it's pretty Cardinals 200. have been so good all year, especially at home, and they have a cakewalk. I mean, 4 out of 10 difficulty when really, you know, the Padres and Dodgers are tough, but, The Cardinals are better than the Padres, so really the Dodgers is their tough test because they're better than the Brewers and they're way better than every other team they named. Cardinals should definitely win this division.
0: What's interesting is the Brewers, you know, they're on the outside looking in right now uh, for the playoff, you know, to to get into the wild card, which we're going to talk about. But if there's any silver lining, it's that their schedule could be a bit favorable.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It could be favorable. We gave them a three out of 10 difficulty. So again, they're going to face the Cardinals with two at home, two on the road. They face the Yankees and the Mets, but they get to face them both at home. And then this is what they got. They got the Diamondbacks for seven, three at home, four on the road. They got the Rockies. They have the Giants. They have seven against the Reds. And then they have four against the Marlins at home. Three of those games against the Reds at home, four on the road. Most of their schedule is against some of the worst teams in baseball. Yeah, But then I guess you could say, you know, the Yankees and the Mets and just having those teams on there is difficult, but they get them all at home, which is much easier for them. So all of their toughest tests this year are going to be in Milwaukee, except for two games on the road against St. Louis. I just don't want to ruin the wild card conversation because I know we're going to talk about it a little bit. Should we just move on to the NL West before you have anything else? Yeah, we'll move on on to the the NL West,
0: but it's definitely definitely a softer schedule on the National League side. And then the Dodgers, it doesn't really matter who they play at this point, but their schedule is kind of status quo the rest of the way. We gave it a five out of 10 difficulty, three against the Mets. They have six on the road against the Padres and three at home. So nine total against San Diego, which, you know, There's more of just a problem for San Diego three at home against the Cardinals. And then on the lighter side, eight against Arizona three on the road, five at home. They have six against the Rockies, all of which are at home, which is important because the Rockies obviously much better when they're playing at cores, much worse on the road. And then the giants, they have six games, even split home and road. So the Dodgers relatively, you know, kind of just meager, regular status quo type of schedule the rest of the way for them
1: it's harder than any of the central teams but not nothing they can't handle you look at their schedule and say who's better than none so it almost relative to the dodgers it's a i mean the whole schedule is easy for them they win every game i mean they're the Dodgers. when we look at at the standings right now i mean they're just incredible they're just incredible 89 wins already 89 and 38 they have a plus 286 run differential they're just the best team in baseball whoever's on their schedule doesn't really matter but it is a five out of ten because it's not like they have you know they don't have the diamondbacks for 30 and the reds for we know
0: the padres aren't going to roll over they're trying to make the playoffs they're going to give them their best punch and they
1: have a six out of ten difficulty so the padres are no lock to make the playoffs i mean they have the dodgers for 9 games like we were saying too. That's Dodgers having the Padres for 9 games is a lot different than the Padres having the Dodgers for 9 games. 6 of those will be at home, but they have the Cardinals, they have the Mariners for 2 games. You know, they get 7 against the Diamondbacks which will be great, you know, but their teams that they're facing, I guess on the low lights, is the White Sox, which is not a cakewalk. The Giants, again, not a cakewalk. And then they have the Rockies in Coors Field. Again, not a cakewalk. The Padres are no almost give that a... to make this wild card. Because if we look at it right now, and I we should just get straight into the wild card yeah. conversation. Because in the National League, let's talk about some of the teams that might scare us when we're talking about these contenders. Yeah, Braves are the current leader of the wildcard at 79 and 50 You have the Phillies at 72 and 57. You have the Padres at 71 and 59. And then you have the Brewers really looking in the Giants. They're just kind of out of it at this point. I want to throw that over to you, Aram. We just
0: kind of went over the schedule. Who are some of these wildcard teams that scare you? Uh, And and by scary, like we're saying, like, which teams can be the most impactful or which are we most afraid about fizzling for context? Let's
1: let's do first. Let's do the most impactful wildcard teams and then the teams that scare us.
0: Yeah. Okay. so I I mean, the team. Here's the thing. We look at the schedules there. I would say maybe that Padres schedule is a seven or an eight, and the more we think about it, uh, that's a really tough schedule. So I, I think the Braves, really, I mean, they're not a wild card team. The Braves are a division winner. I don't care what anybody says, like they, and I don't think anyone's really disputing that. It, that team is absolutely on a different level than the other two. Like that is a really good team, but you know, I'm definitely starting to get worried uh, about the Padres a little bit. We talk about the schedule now the rest of the way. I was banking on Tatis coming back. That obviously isn't happening. Josh Hader's been a disaster. Uh, their their bats are just you know you compare them to the Phillies, their bats just are not as exciting. It's just a bunch of one hundred to one ten WRC plus guys that can go cold on you, and then all of a sudden you're relying on Machado to really you know shoulder the load. Soto, obviously you add him to the lineup. That's great, but. They haven't really been reaping the rewards of that so far. Who's the ace? Because Joe Musgrove was in the Cy
1: Young, right? I mean, he was one of the front runners for Cy Young, but he's teetered off. You Darvish continues to kind of give inconsistent outings. Sometimes he looks amazing. And you think to yourself, wow, I mean, you Darvish when he's on looks incredible. Blake Snell, the same thing when he's on, he looks incredible, but more often than not, these guys aren't on all the time. Mike Clevenger has not been the addition that, you know, they really hope for. When you talk about the bullpen, Josh Hader is supposed to close out games, not below them. Nick Martinez, since he went back there, has actually been awesome. Robert Suarez, guys like that have been awesome. Yeah, But you need that lockdown guy. And I don't know if Tim Hill can be the lockdown guy in the back end of their bullpen. There's a lot of holes in this Padres team. I remember when we were talking about it like a month or two ago of I just believed in the Cardinals more because I was like, they're so well rounded. But when the Padres are hot, they're incredible. I mean, they're one of the best teams in baseball when they're hot. It's just yeah. it's almost like when the pitchers are pitching and, and the bullpen looks great and the offense is rolling, they look like one of the best teams in baseball. But when it's not,
0: they look like the diamondbacks. Yeah. It's it's weird. And they stall out offensively. We've seen it. And then I think the question that you raise is the best one. Who's their ace? It's it's obviously Musgrove like on paper, but right now, who do you feel best about taking the ball? Let me tell you how each guy's done in their last five starts. You got you, Darvish, with a 405 ERA, 33 Ks and five walks, though, is definitely really encouraging. But he's given up six homers, Opponent hitting 234. Clevenger, last five or six starts, 394 ERA, fine, but not great. 20 strikeouts, 11 walks. Musgrove, last five starts, 4.28 ERA. 27 and a thirds innings, 24 strikeouts, two walks. That's a great ratio, but opponents hitting 301. Yeah. Blake Snell, and I won't even talk about Manaya in his 7880. All right. Blake <laughs> Snell, 346 ERA, 26 innings over his last five starts. He's probably been the best with 38 yeah. punchies, four walks, but shorter outings, and opponents are still hitting 260. Like, do you feel great about any of those guys taking the ball in a must win game right now?
1: Joe Musgrove, I guess, would be the guy, but I'm I'm afraid. And Joe Musgrove has been one of the worst pitchers that you just named right there. I mean, the strikeout and the walk ratios are great, but they're still getting blown up. That's just the reality of the situation. And it's like we, we you know, you can use strikeout and walk stuff to help predict future success. And maybe they'll just get better, you know, as they start missing bats. And sometimes it's it's it stinks for that guy. Maybe it's just a bit being unlucky, but we have a month left. We have a month yeah. left on him. Yeah. We gotta be like, we gotta be worried if they're giving up runs. They're giving up runs. I just saw Blake Snell get absolutely rocked by the Guardians. When we talk about how bad the Marlins have been against lefties, you know who's been really bad this year? The Cleveland Guardians. You know what they did? Blake Snell run him out of Petco, where he's supposed to be better. It's not looking good. It's not looking no. good, and they have one of the tougher schedules. But then again, let's talk about the Brewers for a minute because I mean, do we believe
0: in the Brewers either? Of course not. That's the <laughs> but, thing. Like, but shit. their schedule <laughs> soft. Yeah. And they're they like every time you think they're dead, they just kind of come back up and show some signs of life. They surprisingly promote Garrett Mitchell, who has looked really good uh, in 20 AAA games and then has parlayed that into early success through the first three games at the big league level. He has the ability to hit for some power. He's fast. He plays good defense and center that might inject some life into them. Yelich is starting to swing it again. You know, over the last month or so he's been really solid. Uh, There's signs of life, but then again, a couple of days ago or yesterday Corbin Burns got roughed up by the Pirates. So it it's just a weird spot right now. I would say the Brewers schedule gives them a shot because I think they're still they're they're a pretty good team that if they, you know, are playing right, they can rattle off a few wins. The Padres are obviously the much better team, but a softer schedule could be the difference here.
1: And I believe in the Brewers pitching over the Padres at this point. Yeah. I mean and- Woodruff is back. Freddie looks good. Can can we do kind of the? Uh, I want to do some of that similar type thing. If you have the stats ready, with how those big time pitchers for the Brewers have been doing lately, because I can see the Padres woes. The Padres woes are more in our face, right? They're the bigger team, but like, what's going on with the Brewers pitching right now?
0: Yeah, actually, it's a great question because I the the thing with the with the Brewers is we always want to say like, oh, the pitching's been great. The pitching's really good. And then it's been bad sometimes when you check in, but then other times I've checked in and I'm like, oh, they've been shoving lately. Like it's, it's just been one of those weird phenomenons, but I'll tell you what Corbin Burns has been doing over his last six starts, four, eight, one ERA Mm. and 33 and two thirds innings. He has given up 28 hits, five homers and has walked 12.
1: Do you see that? You see that O'Neill Cruz home run off 117 miles an hour. Majestic. I mean, you think to yourself, man, if O'Neill Cruz could figure it out, would be holy
0: shit. But can I don't know if he's ball. going to, but oh my dear Lord. He's so fun when he connects. Crazy. <laughs> Brandon Woodruff's been great. Um, and that's really encouraging. So has Freddie Peralta. Woodruff, 2.7 ERA, oh 31 Ks, eight walks, 1.1 whip. Peralta, even better, 2.55 ERA in his last five starts. They've been you know, kind of careful with him only 24 and two thirds innings, but 20 K's 10 walks, but that's kind of always been the MO. You know, that's what's going to happen with Peralta 0.89 whip. No one's hitting him. Uh, Only 12 hits in those 24 and two thirds innings. Aaron Ashby though, has been getting roughed up in his last three outings, a six, eight, nine ERA and 15 and two thirds. Uh, And then they haven't really started anybody else significantly over the last 30 days. So look, I I trust Woodruff at this point. I think he's kind of worked through the early struggles. Looks solid. Eric Lauer has been pretty consistent all year long, but it's really about Corbin Burns and what Corbin Burns are we going to get here? He's earned the benefit of the doubt, but how concerned are you about Burns? I think that's really what this all boils down to. That's the thing. I just
1: believe in Corbin Burns way more than any of these Padres guys. I mean, you could tell me what Corbin Burns' stats are, and honestly, I kind of throw him out the window, and maybe that's unfair when i look at maybe some of the padres guys but i just i mean it's corbin burns at the end of the day and corbin burns is just way better there's maybe some highs and lows that he's going to go through i don't know if there's just highs and lows that these padres guys are going to go through but at the same time i surely believe more in the padres offense yeah they're it's almost like who's going to fall apart more the yeah. padres or the brewers and i still think I think the Padres are
0: going to make it. I, I think they find a way to. Um, right. And, and they it's, have it, to. They're too it's good. Important, it's important to note game and a half lead. Um, yes. So I, I call the game and a half lead and the schedule difference a wash. Right. So like I'll say Padres harder schedule, but they have a game and a half lead. I kind of wash those out. Now they're even. I just feel like the Padres just have too much star power. And I mean, this Brewers offense could stall out any game and they're not shoving the way they shoved last year, even though I do trust some of their arms a little bit more. And I know Hater's been a disaster, but regardless, no matter how you look at it, you subtract the best closer in the game from the brewers. I, even if he was still with them, you would be subtracting the best closer in the game because he's no longer that. Uh, And, and they traded him anyways. And that, that affects the Padres now negatively as well. So I I look at it from that lens. And I think star power is kind of going to prevail here with Soto with Machado, and I think they might even call up maybe somebody that could kind of fill in Luis Campesano, I would love to see just get an opportunity, given that they're not getting anything from the catching position right now. Eggy Rosario is another guy that can hit lefties and kind of help balance things out, but they need somebody else to step up. Hasan Kim has been really solid, but they need somebody else in this lineup to kind of step up for them. And I think it's going to happen. And I could see Soto really kind of kicking it in gear down the stretch here as a guy that's really wanted to play uh, it's some meaningful baseball game since the World Series because the Nationals have not given him the opportunity to play many.
1: It's funny. Do you want to put your faith in Juan Soto and Manny Machado or Corbin and Brandon Woodruff, stuff? I don't know. It's really interesting. Stuff. It's, really, it's interesting. really interesting. So just to recap the National League before we move on to the American League, the Braves and the Phillies, we're kind of putting them in. Even yeah. though the Phillies don't have that much of a lead, you know, the Phillies, their schedule is not much harder than, than the Padres or the Brewers, especially the Padres. And the Phillies have just been a better team and they've earned it. They've earned this kind of we're putting them in, but it's the Phillies and it's not like I'd be shocked if they blew it. I would be surprised, but I would not be shocked.
0: Padres and Brewers, you're on notice. Absolutely. And and, uh, to kind of just wrap up on the Phillies and why, you know, I think I feel so good about them. Of course, you talk about adding an MVP, that's always going to be good news. Right. And, and what was crazy is the second Harper hit the IL, it seemed like everyone kicked it in gear, right? Mm-hmm. You had Cassiano starting to hit the ball. You had Rio Muto catch on fire. You had Bryson stock going. You had Bohm get going. And now Harper rejoins this team that when he left, it looked like they were lost offensively. He comes back and now they're fantastic. And then pitching wise, Ranger Suarez over his last five starts, a 283 ERA, 26 punchies in 28 and two thirds innings. Noah's been spectacular. has struggled a little bit, but I I don't really can have much concern around the Corbin Wheeler.
1: Burns boat. Like, I'm yeah. not that worried. Not about, worried.
0: No. And how about Kyle Gibson? What do you think about Kyle Gibson, Peter? 230 ERA, five starts, 31 punch outs, or 30 punch outs in 31 innings, only seven walks and 28 hits allowed.
1: I don't know what to think. I don't, know what, to <laughs> I think don't know what to think. I mean, I've watched him. He looks pretty good. He does. And, you know, he hasn't faced the best competition in the world, but it's not like he's been cakewalking over nobody's either. He's been good. I, he has been. And Syndergaard hasn't been terrible. They've been good. I will say it Kyle Gibson
0: has been good. And he's earned it. And Wild. that makes me feel a lot better about them because now Syndergaard's like you're five. And the last thing I'll mention is Brad Hand has looked good out of the pen. Jose Alvarado. How about him? Last 10 outings, one earned run, 13 Ks, two walks. That's the big key. Blowing cheese. Yes, that's the big key. Lefty throws 101. He just never knew where it was going. So far, he's been commanding it. They lost Corey Knable, but now they add Robertson, who's been great. Alvarado looks really good. And now Brad Hand is starting to look pretty solid as well. I think the Phillies are just more complete now than we thought they would be. They made some additions as we've talked about in previous episodes. I think they're safe. I think they're safe
1: too. You want to talk American league?
0: Yes, because this is where I, I I think it's as even as it gets between these three are really four teams. It's about as
1: even as it gets. So, right now in the wild card standing, as we're recording, the Rays have a one game lead over the Mariners, and the Mariners have a half game lead over the Blue Jays. Those are your three wild card teams. But right behind them are the Orioles and the Twins. And I'm not writing off the White Sox, but I kind of am writing off the White Sox in a way. <laughs> Let's just do a recap quickly of those team schedules. Arm the Rays, I gave a 9 out of 10 on the difficulty scale. I mean, they have a really tough schedule moving forward. Blue Jays, 6 out of 10. Orioles, 5 out of 10. When we look at the Twins, 3 out of 10 difficulty. And the Mariners, another 3 out of 10 difficulty. Arm, we were talking about it yesterday. Orioles got a shot. Yeah. The freaking Baltimore Orioles have a shot. Their pitching has looked good lately. I mean, their offense, of course, Adley just gets better by the day. Mullins looks great. Mountcastle's hitting home runs. Santander looks great in the three-hole. The The bullpen bullpen. with Felix Bautista and Perez. I mean, they're just – Dylan Tate, they're nasty. They're a good team. And the Blue Jays, you're on notice. The Rays have a really, really tough schedule ahead, but the Rays are only getting back reinforcements – and the Rays, it doesn't really matter who they face. Like, they could lose three to two to the Marlins tonight, but then go beat up the Yankees in the series after. I, I, It's almost like the Rays have a 9 out of 10 schedule, and I almost discount it even though I shouldn't. Like, I want to count the Rays in, and I really do want to count the Mariners in because the Mariners have a very easy schedule, and they've proven kind of like the Phillies have that they just belong And that they've earned it while Logan Gilbert has not looked good lately. Robbie Ray has looked better. And Luis Castillo was an ace. I mean, he just is an ace. Like, he's nasty. Get him out of Great American, and he's looked disgusting. And then they have one of the best bullpens in baseball. Now that Ty France was really slow out of the gate. Not out of the gate. Excuse me. Just slow lately out of the gate. He was awesome. Yeah. But he's but. And showing then, signs
0: of life again, I think.
1: Exactly, and then J. Rod as well is showing signs of life too. Even though he was a little
0: bit slow there, but he's—I mean—he's coming Rod. off injury. The hand exactly. it really impacts a lot of hitters, and you know, he's obviously a very handsy, explosive hitter. I, and it's, Sam Haggerty is better than your favorite player.
1: <laughs> so so you know what's funny? Guess who's making right a rehab here.
0: appearance uh, it, for the Orioles right now? Making a rehab appearance for the Orioles. He's not. Who? He's, not he's not a big leaguer yet. Who? Grayson Rodriguez has made a rehab is made scheduled to make a rehab appearance. I have no idea how they're going to manage him. I don't know if they might say, Hey, we don't want to risk it. Or they might say, Hey, you're, you're fully ready to go. Like you're healthy again. Why don't you throw your last four starts of the year with us at the big league level? I don't know what they're going to do, but if they call up Grayson Rodriguez, Holy crap. I'm I'm all in on the potential here because a healthy Grayson Rodriguez I think instantly becomes their best starter. And I don't think there's going to be much of a learning curve for this guy. If he's healthy and he makes a couple starts and looks good in the minor leagues, they might give him a shot. Uh, I don't know if that's fully been ruled out yet. You look at the, the Rays and the reinforcements they're getting. Wander Franco got shut down on his rehab assignment, but still should have a chance to return this non-zero year. Non zero chance. Yeah. Non zero chance that he returns this year. I think even Most better than that. Should ever. <laughs> and I that's, that's a big boost for them. And then you've talked about it, like Nick Anderson, uh, all the other pieces they're getting. Josh Lowe is raking in triple a, and they sent him down in the end of July on a seven game hitting streak at the big league level. I think Lowe is ready to contribute at the big league level right now, which I don't know why the Rays did that. Um, Who is your kind of, is there one team that is like safe out of the three wildcard teams? Because before you answer the question, raise up one game uh, on the blue Jays, The Mariners at number two are a half game behind the Rays. And of course, the Blue Jays half game behind the Mariners. And then looking outside from, you know, the top three is the Orioles two games back and the Twins three games back, like you mentioned. Is there any team that you feel like pretty comfortable about that? You're like, eh, you know, they don't have too much to worry about, even though the standings are so tight. I do feel pretty comfortable about the Mariners. The Mariners have one of the easiest schedules moving forward. They,
1: we gave them a three out of 10 difficulty. Their tough games are the Guardians, Braves, and Padres, but they have like four against the Angels, five against the A's. They play the Royals. They play the Tigers a bunch of them. They play the White Sox. The Mariners, I feel, are pretty safe here. The Rays, Blue Jays, and Orioles are going to be fighting it out like nobody's business. And Aram, 10 games between the Blue Jays and the Orioles. Wow. Seven of them in Toronto. Oh, that's going to be sick. That's going to decide it, in my opinion, because I do think that the Rays are going to figure it out and they're going to make it. And then it's Orioles, Blue Jays
0: going to war. So you most concerned about the Blue Jays? I
1: am most concerned about the Blue Jays because how many starts are we going to see where Barrios blows it? You know, it's been funny. Stripling has just been way better than everybody else.
0: But I mean, how long does that last? Is that even real? And that's is that real? Yeah, like that's a problem. That's definitely a problem. And, you know, it's interesting, too. I look at this Orioles team and you look at the Blue Jays team and you talk about a lot of head to head games down the stretch. The Orioles have nothing to lose. You think Adley Rutschman is, you know, of course, he wants to make the playoffs, but the Orioles, they're playing with house money. The Blue Jays, they've gone all in. And they've got some guys that, you know, like George Springer's not getting any younger. Matt Chapman's not getting any younger. Like, they've got some dudes. They went all in. They're trying to win now. I, they have a lot to lose. And the front office has depleted this farm system. They've got pressure. There's, there's something scary about the Orioles playing the Blue Jays for seven games when the O's have legit nothing to lose. I just want to look this up quickly. Because this is something I remember and I
1: don't want to misquote it. But in my gambling, there's a lot of starts where Manoa faces off against the Orioles. And he doesn't pitch that well. But I want to make sure that's correct. Okay, he's faced them three times this year. 16 innings, seven earned runs to give him a 3-7-8 ERA. Gossman. standard's not good. Not very good. Gosman against the Orioles this year. He's faced them once. Five earned runs in two innings. Wow. Mm. That's pretty interesting. Let's go to Jose Barrios. How has he performed against the Orioles this year? 3-8-6. He's only faced them once. Seven innings, three earned, but two of those were home runs. It's one of his best starts of the year, probably. <laughs> one of his best starts of the year. Let's see how Stripling is done against the Orioles. Pitched very well against him. Of course he did. It's Ross Stripling. <laughs> like, how did that happen? <laughs> so weird. But, you know, none of them have dominated besides no. Ross Stripling,
0: I guess. Yeah. But, and, and the O's have the better bullpen. Obviously, the Jays have the supposed to be the better offense, but, you know, it, it's been inconsistent this year in a lot of ways. I, I think that's that's going to be a close showdown. Obviously, it's the Blue Jays' spot to lose, both in the standings and both just realistically. Uh, but I think it's going to be interesting. The Jays are definitely my biggest concern because it's not just the O's that could catch them. I do think that the Twins still have a fighting chance here. They've won four in a row to kind of snap what was a really rough skid for them. And to kind of wrap up the this discussion, how much of a shot do you think the Twins have? I, I actually think they can do this because... They're coming to life here. A lot of guys are starting to come together. I I think they hit a little bit of a lull, but now we're seeing them show signs of life. You mentioned the schedule was kind of soft the rest of the way for them.
1: Let me just – sorry, before we move on to the Twins because I misquoted. Orioles, seven of those are in Camden Yards. Oh, wow. All
0: seven are at home?
1: No, seven of the ten are at home for ten Oh, ten games,
0: seven at home. Wow. Okay, that's going to be fun. Camden Yards is going to be rocking. I hope
1: it's – I hope it's rocking, rocking. Twins have one of the easiest schedules left, but eight of them are against the Guardians. That's where it is. And then they have four at the Yankees. I mean, they could get crushed there. And while they have a very easy schedule because they got six against the Royals, they play the Angels and they play the Tigers, like nine are against the White Sox. So 21 games are against Guardians, White Sox, and Yankees. And the Yankees are kind of their dad. The Guardians are kind of their dad. And the White Sox, how much better are the Twins than the White Sox, really?
0: Yeah, uh, you know, just I just a little think bit more the more Orioles complete. and the
1: Blue Jays are better teams, but they could just, you know, if they split and then the Twins go on this crazy run,
0: we That's can see the thinking. Twins. I'm, not, I'm definitely not counting them out. That's something. And they beat each other up. Here's another scenario, though, and this is the last scenario I'll throw at you before we we end the episode: is the Twins are one and a half games behind the Guardians with a lot of head to head games. Let's say the Twins catch the Guardians. Now the Guardians are the wild card team. How do they stack up in your eyes against the rest of these ball clubs? That's a so whole they, other wrinkle in this that we didn't even realize.
1: The Guardians have a very easy schedule. So the Guardians play the Twins, but they, you know, for those eight games, but they play the Rays and the Mariners. That's their tough one. But they have the Royals for nine games Angels at home, White Sox, and Rangers. Only one series against. So they get nine games against the Royals while the Twins get nine games against the White Sox little bit different there i mean the guardians could just straight up roll through the royals and it not really matter so even if like for like let's say for example twins get five out of those eight games guardians could just go down and beat the hell out of the royals and let's say the twins split with the white Sox, they just can't catch them yeah. so
0: that but that is a scenario it is if they That's take it head to head here's the problem with the guardians and and i mean the problem for other teams the benefit for the guardians I don't see how they ever really hit a lull when you've got McKenzie yeah. Bieber, and then even Quantrill throwing the way he's throwing as of late. Savali has been throwing. Well, really Karen well. Jack is disgusting. Uh, class A. He speaks for himself. Like this bullpen plus rotation is too good for them to really massively falter. So it's going to be a twins hot streak. That would allow them to to maybe take the division. That's why I think the Guardians could be a dark horse to steal a wild card spot if the Twins went nuclear. Like if the Twins went crazy, the Guardians could be a dark horse. But it really is all on the Twins because I think the Guardians aren't really going to fall apart in any way. It's really going to be the Twins just playing so well that they overtake the Guardians and now the Guardians all of a sudden are fighting for uh, a a wild card spot. The American League has you know five or six teams that could really make a push. And one more thing about the Guardians, too.
1: Jose Ramirez has not been that great lately, and I think we expect him to get a little bit yeah. better. If we're looking at OPS, like he had a 1,100 OPS in April, 9.72 in May, 8.60 in June, 8.06 in July, and now we're rounding out August, and he has a 7.84 OPS. I'm going to make the prediction he gets better in September. When yeah, I'd, I'd expect I think that's that. fair.
0: Yeah, I think that's a pretty, pretty safe prediction. I, yes. He's a guy that, at this point, When he slumps, that's a slump. A 784 OPS is a slump, and and it doesn't last very long. So I'm not too worried about him, and and I think the Guardians are going to get going. I think they're going to be too tough to catch, but the the Twins do have a good shot to make it interesting. So in summary, we're both most concerned about the Jays, and we're both most confident about the Rays. And the Mariners. And the Mariners. Mariners, yeah, would, I'm pretty confident. I'm probably more confident about the Mariners. They have such an easy schedule moving
1: forward, yeah. too. And so, they don't really have to play much. Like, they don't really have this 10 games against contenders or anything like that. They they have a pretty easy way in.
0: And the Rays have a tough schedule. Yeah, so I would say Mariners, safest of the wildcard teams in the AL. Rays, right behind. Uh, soft, You know, tough schedule makes it a little bit more interesting. But reinforcements kind of hedge that. And then the Jays, that's the spot that I think is going to turn out to be up for grabs. I cannot wait. But in the meantime, get yourself some Just Baseball merch, people. It's
1: getting into the fall months. It's getting into the fall months. And you know what we got for you? Long sleeves. I, You know, we got all your bitching about it's summer, it's summer, it's summer, can't have long sleeves. Guess what? Starting to get a little colder. We're going to get those long sleeves on and put on a hat. What about a Just Baseball hat? The rope hats, the dad hats, they're all in our episode description. Make sure you get those. But something that's coming on Just Baseball that I can't wait for is the Top 100. That's yep. going to be coming from our guy, Arm Leighton, soon. And, of course, Next we have week. all of our different podcasts, Not Gambling Advice, which will be transitioning into football. I mean, of course, we're going to finish baseball for the rest of the season. But we will be doing some football content. So if you need oh, your yeah. football fix, check out that one. If you need a prospect fix, go check out the call-up. And for all the fixes, baseball.com.
0: Hell, yeah. Really excited. We uh, pumped out a lot of good content. A lot of September call-ups, obviously coming through so very excited to, to break all that down kind of tell you everything you need to know about those guys whether it's a, a fantasy perspective or card collecting or whatever it may be uh, or just for the team that you root for you know what kind of impact can some of these prospects make uh we'll be covering it on the call up and at just baseball.com just detailing all of these september promotions can't wait dude and with that thank you everybody